0: Astronomy Cast, episode 432, The Geologic Ages of Mars. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts based journey through the cosmos where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser?
0: Doing great. So we have a thank you to Ryan. Yes console for sending us this awesome uh handmade i think golden record uh, replica it's awesome and so if you watch the live show uh we we're putting it kind of it's a mine is sort of in the background uh sometimes when i switch to that camera view and i'm sure pamela's will, will show up at some point but awesome we uh we really appreciate it ryan thank you so much
1: and, and everyone who wants to learn more about this, uh, the Mad Art blog, uh, it's it's Ryan, it's certainly uh, Amy, Amy Davis-Roth, one of our friends, a whole group of amazing people. Uh, a. Kovacs is in there as a science-adjacent and art-adjacent person. Um, they, they're bringing the, the combination of science and art and how you live right on that boundary in the land called STEAM. Um, So go check out their blog. It's one of my favorites. They also have a great podcast. Um, Yeah, they do great things. And Ryan says how you can make your own. Well, he doesn't detail all of it, but he talks about making the Voyager record replicas. Fantastic. Once again, it's time
0: to thank Casper Mattresses for sponsoring Astronomy Cast. We, of course, have been sleeping on Casper Mattresses for the better part of a year and a half now. Uh, still super happy. I've been through all of the seasons. Now we're in on Vancouver Island our cold, rainy, wet season, and it's great. It keeps me warm when you hop into bed. It's got this great sort of two kinds of foam: this latex foam and memory foam, uh, and still comfortable, doesn't seem to be breaking down, I'm, I'm really happy to be using it. And of course, one of the greatest parts about getting a Casper mattress is they send it to your door and it comes in this box and you open it up and the whole, you can't believe that a full mattress was in the, a box that small. So that's really like literally half the fun of getting a Casper mattress. The prices are great 950 for king size mattress 500 for twin size mattress. So that's like as the price of a regular mattress or even cheaper. Um, they have a risk-free trial and return policy, so you can sleep on it for 100 days with free delivery and then just return it if you disagree. So it's a great value, and you can just give it a try. And Casper is offering $50 discount to listeners from Astronomy Cast. So just go to www.casper.com slash astro and then use the promo code astro of course some terms and conditions will apply so once again thanks to casper mattresses for sponsoring astronomy cast give it a try i think you will really enjoy this mattress welcome to the future all right let's do the show uh so today mars is a desolate wasteland with dusty red rocks and sand stretching out to the horizon but billions of years ago it was a vastly different world it was blue with oceans, rivers, lakes, and maybe life. Let's tell the story of geology on Mars, how we got from that world to the crappy one we see today.
1: It's not crappy, it's just desiccated.
0: Mars today sucks.
1: It's desiccated.
0: It is desiccated, it is dry, it is sandy, it has no atmosphere. It's no Venus. I mean, Venus is, like, really trying to kill you. But Mars is trying to kill you, too. I mean, either one. I mean, Antarctica is a, is a tropical paradise compared
1: to, uh, to Mars. Or at so. least a humid paradise. Because Mars does have its warm days. Antarctica, right. not so much. Yeah,
0: occasionally warmer than here in Canada. So Yeah. yeah.
1: But, but it's kind of airless. That's kind of a problem. It has air, just not enough will kill you you're right listen to our past few episodes yeah
0: yeah you'll know how little it has all right so let's go back to the to the beginning should we talk about so let's talk about the mars just a bit well you just mentioned it a bit right now so let's kind of go back to the beginning right back to the formation of mars as with the other objects in the solar system how did mars even just come to be
1: how did it get that first geologic stage well well like everything else in our solar system about four and a half billion years ago uh it started to solidify out of a molten nasty gravitationally held together ball of stuff uh so early on we had the solar nebula big old ball of dust and gas that flattened and uh bulk of the material ended up in the core, in the center, where we now see the sun, the remaining disk of material. Uh, Where you had a couple of particles collide, they got a little bit bigger. They were able to gravitationally pull in a couple more particles, got gravitationally a little bit bigger. Uh, You see where this goes. So things grew. We ended up with planets. took a while for things to like settle into orbits. And so the real problem was that for the first, well, many billion years well a couple billion years i won't say many but for the first couple billion years we still had fairly large chunks of stuff flying around the solar system but by about four and a half billion years ago we had mars and what was it made out of dust gas that became dirt what kind of stuff? <laughs> it's it's the same stuff we're made of. It's it's a hodgepodge of the periodic table. You've got carbon. You've got silica. You've got iron, which is kind of what makes it red and rusty the way it is. Um, it didn't really have an atmosphere initially. That came a little bit later, but it's it's just crustal material, a lot like what we see on Earth. The big difference was because it was further out in the solar nebula, the ratios of the different types of volatiles that it had were slightly different. So when you pick up a Mars rock, open it up, the gases trapped inside of it have different atomic ratios than the gases here on Earth.
0: OK, so, so we've got this glowing ball of leftover solar nebula, some of the heavier elements in the solar nebula. It cools down on the outside, but continues to roil and boil inside. Uh, Vulcanism, you get a period of volcanism on on Mars like we had here on Earth?
1: You, you do. And, and that actually is just now finally starting to settle out. So if we look through the different periods, of, of Mars history, we find that from about 4.1 to 3.8 giga years ago um, is where we were seeing the world. It had volcanism, but the things that really denote this period in time is it was when there was a really high impact rates and you had a lot of erosion from the the massive impacts that formed that were actually so massive that they melted the surrounding rock so during that pre-nookian because we name things stupid um, pre noachian period you have the formation for instance of the hellas impact ba- basin where sort of kind of the floor of that basin is what we now refer to as Hellas Planitia, so the Hellas Plain of of Mars. This is one of the big basins down in the southern hemisphere of Mars.
0: So you've got this, you know, glowing body trying to cool down, uh, still having rampant volcanism, and then it's just getting pounded by... Objects as as everything is in this kind of you know in this early bombardment uh, bombardment walk it off uh, yeah. the bombardment <laughs> in the entire solar system uh, Earth was having it too the moons having it too we could see the the surface of the of the moon we could see the destruction that happened to any object that was caught out in space when this was happening it was awful
1: and and. This early period was mostly just marked with you have a rapidly cooling world that is getting hit with large stuff. As I said, that's when the Hellas um, Impact Basin formed. But the pre-Nokian period quickly evolved into the Nokian period. And it was during this Nokian period from about 4.1 to 3.7 billion years ago that we started to have the surface of Mars not just marked up with impact craters but this is the point at which the stuff impacting Mars started leaving behind sufficient water that we start to see water channels on Mars as well and and so here we start to see extensive erosion um, from water flowing across the surface we see river basins river valley networks all of the kind of stuff that if you've ever flown over the American Southwest, you, you look out and you're like, wow, it is a desert that that was shaped by water. Now Mars is that desert shaped by water in the parts of the surface that that haven't been eroded since the Nokian period.
0: And so that that water, I mean, I guess it was a little warmer back then. Uh, it had a thicker atmosphere of some variety, yes, and it had water just like Earth does, delivered. You know, we've done whole episodes on this. Delivered somehow, uh, either by comets or you know in place asteroids. or yeah, comets, asteroids, comets, asteroids, or <laughs> perhaps you know one of the other competing theories is that just the it was there was water around at the time and it sort of collab, you know collected into the planets as well. But, you know, it had plenty water. of water on the surface.
1: Yes. And and so this was also a geologically active period. So when you, you look at Mars, you see that there's, um, well, Olympus Mons kind of stands out on its own. But beside Olympus Mons is the set of three different volcanoes on a large bulgy structure. And this large bulgy structure is... Tharsis Bulge, um, nice obvious name, uh, and it's it's the Tharsis Montes, Tharsis Mountains, that uh, are those string of volcanoes across the bulge, and it's thought that these volcanoes were were also well not the volcanoes, but the whole bulge structure itself was formed during the Snowonian period.
0: Uh, sorry what's the timeline on the nokia and when about was that after the formation of mars
1: yeah so it's 4.1 to 3.7 billion years ago
0: okay and is this sort of before or after the late heavy bombardment the rest of the
1: this is during the late heavy bombardment so we have a world that is is essentially getting hit hit and hit and hit and hit and In addition to this, its insides are still hot and angry. So its insides are coming out through the volcanoes. Um, This was one of those times when it's impossible to describe the world as anything other than alive. Because you have the active volcanism. You have the active water features. You have things falling out of the sky and reshaping the surface. It's it's kind of an amazingly dynamic period there there was rainfall we think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, back back when Mars had water, they could have rainfall.
1: And and so looking at all of this this is where we want to put the rovers when we want to go look for fossil life. We want to go the places that have been least eroded, least lavaed over, least cratered over, that allow us to get to to the fossils that may be there from the Nokian period. So, so paint a mental
0: picture, mental picture for us a bit here. If we were standing on the surface of, of Mars at this time, what's a place on earth that would look kind of familiar would it be like like the big island of hawaii like where you've just got sort of lava plains and except except there's yeah. like, except there's so, re- regular meteor meteorite strikes going on all around you
1: so so i think the Big Island of Hawaii is probably a fairly good, or the Aleutian Mountains, the Aleutian volcanoes, uh, maybe even slightly better up along the coast of Alaska. So you have this icy, snowy, cold with molten rock coming out of the ground, and and then you also we can't even imagine what the heavy bombardment would would have been like. It's it's like something out of the Pern books, where you just periodically have stuff just raining down and some of them are so big that you get a big asteroid hitting Mars and it's throwing up new chunks that scatter all across the world causing a secondary array of impacts and the thing about impacts that we like to forget is they have a lot of kinetic energy and this kinetic energy gets given off as heat frictionally as it passes through the atmosphere as well as the impact that occurs and as it heats up the atmosphere one rock we're not going to notice the atmosphere getting heated up A few thousand rocks that seriously changes your climate go go read seven eves if you haven't it talks about this beautifully
0: uh okay so so what comes after that period
1: so, so after this, we get into the much more boring Hesperian period. So, the Hesperian period—not—not um, not quite so much of of the rainy everything else. Um, you have lakes and seas that formed in the northern lowlands. Um, so, you still have some water at this point this is where we start getting the extensive lava fields formed so when you look out across mars there's all of these amazing places where you see lava that just goes out and fills in craters partially and and it's beautiful geologic features um these largely come out of the hesperin period so this was 3.7 to 3 billion years ago and This is also when Olympus Mons formed. So you have Tharsis forming first, and then Olympus Mons comes a little bit later off to the side. This, to me, has always reminded me of how the Hawaiian islands are all different ages. But when you're just looking at a map, you don't notice that immediately. Well, in this case, the Tharsis Bulge and its volcanoes are older uh, in formation than Olympus Mons, which came a little bit later. Um this is also when we had catastrophic releases of water that formed uh, various channels uh, th- cutting through the plains. Um, and And so this is kind of that period after the tumult where you have various oceans breaking free and just sort of flooding across. Um, you have, the lava flowing across. So this to me is less of a impact everything from the sky and rain on it period to more of a you're standing there and all of a sudden all the fluid whether it be liquid rock or liquid water decides I'm going somewhere else. So this is the period on Mars where things are flowing around and reshaping the surface of Mars through their flows.
0: So And this is sort of the big clue that the clues that NASA was really searching for was this idea that you know that curiosity really turned up is that water was acting on the surface of Mars for vast periods of time long enough potentially for life to have evolved and so this was this time where where you had this when it, everything wasn't on fire um, because or you know or felt like it was on fire because of these these meteorite strikes the times that it, in between or you know after when it finally had cooled back down and water could form and act on the surface of Mars these are the times that you got
1: right so so one quick and dirty way to think of this and and this is where I feel the need to remind everyone I, I'm a stars and galaxies kind of girl who's totally fascinated and ha- with, with planets and has the privilege of, of attending professional planetary science conferences. And and so the way me and my can describe stars in better detail brain thinks of these periods at a certain level is the Nokian period is when you have death from the skies. You have the, the heavy bombardment going on. You have rain. You have the the ground beneath you rising up. This this is the vertical death you might say whereas during the Hesperian period you have flowy death so horizontal death where you have <laughs> I love this <laughs> you have lava flowing across the surface you have oceans flooding across the surface and so this this is another massive reshaping of the world but in this case the reshaping is the liquids flowing across molten rock water changing the surface horizontally
0: That's crazy, Uh, and a lot of the sort of you know like this whole thing with the Tharsis bulge, right? As these this bulge formed and these volcanoes formed, you've got like an like a change in the balance of of the rotation of Mars. It's thought that in times that it actually sort of rolled over on its side, changed the orientation of its oceans. There was a lot of very vast changes that were happening to the surface of Mars during this period. You know, it wasn't, as you said, being destroyed from above, but it was still under fairly dramatic change over the course of, of billions of years. And we think about things like the Valles Marineris, right? You know, that tr- yeah. the, the largest trench. trench in the solar system formed as like one of the cracks because of this bulge. So right. it's a, it's an, a sort of an amazing sort of resurfacing of the features on on Mars.
1: And, and one of the things that we really struggle with looking at Mars is it's currently divided into the northern lowlands and the southern highlands such that if you do two circular maps, one centered on the North Pole and one centered at the South Pole, you would not know these were the same planet. They are vastly geologically different where the, the southern lowlands are basically these long plains uh it's i'm gonna mispronounce the latin i'm sorry everyone who's been a long-time listener knows i read more than i speak and this gets me into trouble um it's vast vastitas borealis is is these names for this long large area of just mostly flatness, um, whereas when you look at the southern highlands, you see this ancient pox-marked, cratered up area where you have the argor again, I'm destroying pronunciation, you have two giant plains formed in impact basins. You have the, the Olympus and Tharsis volcanoes. You have the Hellas Planitia it's, it's this area that is just beat to expletive. And one of the ideas is that this um, vast northern lowlands is the remnants of a massive crater. So that's one giant crater. And the planet actually shifted its rotational axis a lot like Vesta must have when it had a similarly catastrophic impact. But we don't know if this is what it was for sure. Um, it looks like it was a vast ocean at some point, but we don't know for sure. And a lot of our don't know for sure comes from not having put enough robots on Mars yet. Right.
0: yeah, and More it's, rovers, more
1: sure. And And the way we get at the ages of these things, to be entirely honest, is we look at each of these regions and we count craters. This is why we need all of you to go to Mars mappers and count craters. And, And we look for lava that overlays different areas. So basically if you have large basin formed by impact that has lava overcutting part of it, that lava is superimposed on the crater. So you know the lava came later. And then if the lava has craters on top of it, you know those craters came after the lava came. So we look for what overlays what in the overlapping regions and we count craters and where there are the most craters it's the oldest surface where there are the fewest craters that's the youngest most recently eroded surface and looking at everything it's this is where we start to get the ages and then to get more than just a relative age of knowing, well, this lava is younger than this crater that it goes over. To get an actual age, we look at the moon, Earth's moon, way over here, far across the solar system, and we count craters on it. And we figure out, okay, this region with this many crater densities probably corresponds to this region on Mars with similar crater densities. And that's kind of lame. What we want to do is go pick up rocks from each of these surface areas and say this rock comes from what we call the Noachian period. And when we count up the atoms in the rock and use radio dating with all the different isotopes that we have at our disposal to do this kind of dating, we now can confirm what each of these periods corresponds to in in billions of years versus just hoping that it mostly matches the moon.
0: So just to kind of recap our story so far, we've got the the I guess the the pre-Noachian period when sort of everything was just coming together. The Noachian period where you've got sort of the oldest surfaces on Mars, four point one, three point seven billion years ago. The Hesperian Hesperian yeah. period where you've got, as you said, the sort of death from the sides, the <laughs> as opposed to the death from above. You've got the sort of the reef, you know, the large features really taking shape and forming. And that brings us to about 3 billion years ago.
1: The Amazonian period, which – so this is one of those things that takes me off. That's the worst
0: name.
1: So, so there was a wet and wild period on Mars. We called it the Nokian period. Amazon amazonian to me means wet Mm -hmm. that's tropical areas it's the amazon no no the dry desolate desiccated time period on mars we named the amazonian and i don't know well i do know why i can look it up it's named after when the amazonas planitia was formed nonetheless i i i I am bitter. Clearly, clearly. No, I do, no. You have every
0: <laughs> reason to be bitter about this. The, the, the Mars that we've come to kind of uh, know and fear happened in this period.
1: Right. So, so we would the, have been happy
0: back in the well, you know, in between bombardments. We would yes. have been happy back in the Noachian period. Maybe right. even a little bit of the Hesperian period. But in the uh, the Amazonian period, no, thank you.
1: Yeah, so so this is the period of time that we call now. Um it, it's yeah, also the, the period, now period it's the now period. It started about 3 giga years ago, 3 billion years ago for those who don't speak scientific method um or scientific notation rather. Um so so starting about 3 billion years ago the solar system became a little bit kinder. We had less death from the skies, less impacts. We still have impacts. I mean the the people who've had asteroids rain down on them on our planet in the past 10 years are fully aware of this. Um, But it's, it's not the kind of thing where we see giant impact craters forming on a regular basis. We see small impact craters falling periodically, which is not something that like your average New Yorker doesn't worry about an asteroid destroying their city. Um, So during this Amazonian period, fewer impacts, less volcanism, less and less volcanism over time. Uh, During the beginning of this period, there was glacial activity as all the water froze. Um, We still have some glacial activity on Mars, not a lot. So we started to go from the death from the skies to the death from the sides to the, it's just cold and boring. And, uh-huh. and the Amazonian period is kind of the cold and boring phase. Uh, we still have minor water releases. We call them dark streaks. Yep. But mostly it's just a cold, dead, getting colder, deader world and this is what we get to go explore
0: yeah go ahead elon musk live on that
1: (laughs) exactly exactly
0: where every moment is a desperate fight for survival on a hellscape no a frozen desert that doesn't want you
1: exactly
0: yeah yeah that's uh yeah like i I, people always again people always ask me do you know what do you want to go live on mars I would like to visit safely. But I like Earth just fine. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I'd be fine to go like where you realize I probably have like five or ten more years left in me. I'm just going to go to Mars. I'll die there. I'm fine with that.
0: Oh, you'll die there.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, I mean, are there any more dramatic periods left for the future of Mars? Are we really kind of... Like it's just it's gonna turn into a popsicle at this point, right?
1: Well, it's it's probably settled out into a steady state right now. It it unless it has a new massive area era of bombardment, in which case we're all expletived. Um, yeah, it's it's steady state. It it's not like it currently has a greenhouse effect or anything to drive a greenhouse effect. Its atmosphere is pretty good the way it is. Yeah, the sun's still tearing things off, but it's such a slow process nowadays that it it isn't noticeably getting a thinner atmosphere over time. Um, so yeah, there's going to be long-term cycles driven by the slow change in tilt of its pole that will cause exactly where the ice caps are to shift over time that will cause some variations. But we're now looking at the eon to eon shifts that are driven by the slow changing cycles of, of polar tilt and orbital shift. Mm-hmm. And the slow, gradual changes that are driven by our sun's very gradual changes over the, the millions of years.
0: Yeah, like seven billion years from now, uh, things are going to heat up.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but right now, we're, we're pretty steady state.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, who knows if this is the last episode about uh, Mars? We don't know. Uh, we may talk about Mars some more next week. There's still lots of stuff to talk about, and I kind of am enjoying myself. People always really like these series, so we're going to going to continue. Uh,
1: who knows? You know, volcanoes might be a good way to blow out the end of the year.
0: Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pamela. Okay. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to AstronomyCast, a nonprofit resource provided by Astrosphere New Media Association, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at AstronomyCast.com. You can email us at info at tweet us at AstronomyCast, like us on Facebook, or circle us on Google+. We record the show live on YouTube every Friday at 1.30pm Pacific, 4.30pm Eastern, or 20.30 GMT. If you missed the live event, you can always catch up over at CosmoQuest.org or our YouTube page. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Our music is provided by Travis Earle and the show was edited by Chad Weber.